Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, good Monday to you. Warm welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts over the course of an hour. It's the 11th of July. And very pleased to welcome here with me in studio for the entire 60-minute Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor and Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Gaurav, Mark, good afternoon to good you. Afternoon. Wonderful good to afternoon. see you. Hey, Mark, I know that you've been run off your feet lately, yeah. um, but it was a solid performance coming through from the market last week, up 2%. How, 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 what's your mood yeah, right now? Um, oh, definitely better than it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, a few of those sort of, you know, the rationality and returning to the market a little bit. Some of those sort of smaller cap stocks have sort of run out of selling and, and, have, and have jumped back up. Um, we don't have a lot of small caps on, but they were the ones we had were like Raise Invest and things like that were, were getting pretty hammered and they've seemed to recover pretty well. And the lithium stuff's sort of starting to recover as well. So it's just been a. Things are stabilising a bit. VIX sort of heading towards eight-week sort of lows, mm -hmm. so which I've been saying to the clients, basically just wait until VIX normalises and then we'll start making decisions from that point. Um, obviously CPI, key data this week. So um, And then there's a whole heap of stuff coming out. Um, Chinese data Wednesday and Friday. So that's going to, that's for our reporting season, is going to make a huge yeah. sort of difference for outlooks, etc. for, um, you know, whether we go in with the big miners and things with the iron ore price whipping around, um, whether we want to go and take those dividends or whether we sort of start looking looking elsewhere. So pretty pretty pivotal week overall and then we'll sort of, we'll sort of start making decisions. I, I still favour the market stabilising a little bit, particularly in Australia over earnings season, but you know, we'll um, We'll see okay. once we get a bit more of a clearer picture. We'll always see. Have you been incredibly <laughs> active lately, Gaurav? Not at all, Nadine. I have been very slothful, which I think is often good advice in the share market. There's a tendency to perhaps do too much too fast, especially when prices are whipping around. Um, there's a time for action and there's a time for patience. And it's almost impossible to tell which is the correct action until after the fact. But you know, I've been in this business a long time now. In 2020, I remortgaged my house. I, every, every dollar I could muster, I was putting in there because it felt different. And this time, I've barely allocated any additional capital because it feels different. And um, I know it's not a satisfactory answer. It's not analytical. It's not the way we really sh encourage people to think, but it feels different. I still don't think the market looks cheap enough. I mean, the stocks that I want to buy are still 40, 50, 60 times earnings. They do not look cheap enough at all. There's not enough panic. I keep saying the three things, the three flag bearers of the last 10 or 15 years, Tesla, crypto, and inflows into the ARK fund, none of those have fallen over yet, and they need to fall over before we see an end to all this. I don't think we're there yet, Nadine. I'm still, uh, um, for me, the lens I'm looking at is in, anything I, I buy now has to have a double-digit free cash flow yield. Otherwise, I'm just not interested. I don't, I'm nowhere near close to buying all the stuff that's been bombed out yet. I don't think it's enough. 
All right, let's see if there's anything on the list today mm. that might catch your interest. I don't know. We've got baby bunting coming up. City just called it its favorite pick in the small cap retail space. Rio Tinto, <clears throat> Apollo, that's Apollo Tourism and Leisure. Mm. Medibank is coming through, that's for Tracy and for Yana. Boral, but I thought we'd start with the stock of the day. And we'd look at EML payments. Shares are taking a belting in today's trade so far as long-term CEO Tom Cregan stepped down as managing director. So the word is that he has resigned. No reason has been given. Emma Shand will be taking the top job effective immediately. The company saying she will be focused on Europe and uh, has really hit the ground running. So what do our experts think about EML? Has this changed their thinking at all? Final nail in the coffin for the company or an opportunity for a fresh start? Gaurav Sodi, Intelligent Investor, mm -hmm. I will start with you. EML, many, many viewers will be aware, has been put through the mm -hmm. ringer. So mm -hmm. first of all, it was problems with the Irish Central Bank. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's after it made an acquisition that also <laughs> brought it to its knees. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you could say that some of the selling probably accentuated by, you know, the whole tech sell-off that we've been experiencing. But markets don't like uncertainty. There's a new CEO, but we don't know why the la you know Tom left. So what's going on? It's a really big deal. Sometimes when CEOs change, it doesn't matter. If, if CBA got a new CEO tomorrow, no one would blink. No one would care. I don't even know the name of the CEO now, and I don't expect I'd know the name of the next CEO. It Not common, matter. but anyways, go yeah. on. <laughs> but um, but Tom Cregan leaving is a big deal. He has been instrumental in the business model change at what used to be e-merchants, I think a, a pretty crappy little business, and he's turned that into uh, a really interesting, um, significantly, significantly larger business. So him leaving without any, suddenly, without any explanation, um, and uh, outside the usual departure window is a big deal. I, I, would, I would see this as a blaring red flag. Whatever your investment case is for EML, I think everyone ought to sell the stock now and reassess that investment case, because everything has changed. We've had email as a buy at various at times and never made any money on it. It's been terrible every time we've tried to touch it. And um, mostly it's because this is a complicated business that, that pretends it's very simple. It looks very easy. They do um, electronic transfers of cash. Uh, the bulk of their business at the moment comes from um, you know, shopping center vouchers, um, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, cards, gift cards. For, gift cards, thank you, yeah. But that's actually a declining part of the business yeah. and in, increasingly, and Cregan was instrumental in this, they were trying to do um, digitized transactions for very niche specific um, B2B users, uh, use cases. And so the idea was that they'd set up these, um, these little electronic payment mm -hmm. systems and they'd have an inbuilt use case there um, sticky customers and they take a clip on all the um, all the revenue flowing through those systems. I think it's a good business model. I must admit, I don't think it's ever worked. We've never made any money out of the stock. Um, it's caused a lot of um, uh, dissension in the team. I've moved on. I owned it one stage and sold it probably two years ago and never looked back. The, the key lesson for me with EML is there are some stocks that deserve your patience and there are some stocks that you ought to be very careful about allocating patience to. Everyone thinks patience is this great investing virtue that we all need to show it at mm -hmm. all times. Not true. I think this is a stock where uh, we've shown too much patience and this is a, this is a really important um, new development and uh, my recommendation is sell. So this is a nail in the coffin moment for oh, yes. EML for you. Yep. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've got a similar outlook. It's sell if you haven't already, basically. So, um, and I've, I've, you know, I've got friends in markets where, you know, 
very clever guys have looked at this, probably similar to your team, mm. and been sort of lured in, but they've always run stops, um, and it saved them an awful lot of money, basically. Um, this is, Gurev's right, this is exactly the sort of thing, you, uh, company you want to have where you need to be strict on your stop losses. Um, but the, the lady who's taking over, was 16 years at NASDAQ, um, but I mean, you saw Tyro the other day, that was an unexpected yeah. um, CEO exit, was down 20%, but it, there was a reason for it at least, um, whereas this, and this uncertainty around it as well, being only down sort of 18%, I mean, it's probably... It doesn't feel like enough, does it? It doesn't feel like enough, yeah. no. So, I mean, look, it may turn around. Um, <clears throat> I think there's, like I said, there's a lot of smart people I know that have been really intrigued by this business. Yeah. But I think you just wait till the smoke clears for now. I don't think, you know, I mean, it's a really crowded space, that payment mm-hmm. space. Um, and at the moment, something like Tyro's fallen 75, 80 percent. It's probably mm. got a better business case um, than than say this potentially. So, uh, yeah, there's an, an alternative if you really want to stick in the space, which I mean, obviously had pretty similar. Um, but at least they're pulling the numbers still. Um, but yeah, look, I'd be I'd be very happy okay. just to sell this and reassess. Um, it's now it's just not the right market conditions for it either. It's not the sort of company. And macro that, headwinds in Europe, oh, which is its biggest yeah. focal point. Um, um, so plenty of negatives for EML. That is a double sell from both of my expert guests. Doesn't happen very often. Let's find out if we have any double buys in here. We'll get to the first on the list. Baby Bunting, BBN is the ticker code for Layla. I don't have any context here, Jen. So it will be a a buy, a hold, or a sell based on this business today and where you see its prospects. So no nibbles? Or no, no, no. Well, <laughs> we're not doing nibbles. Yeah. I can be persuaded sometimes. I think I'm too tough on that because it's actually yeah. entered the vernacular across the board. Yeah, that's Anyhow, yeah. We uh, digress. What about baby bunting? City loves it. Yeah, I don't mind this business either. I think um, it's sort of been sold off not quite as aggressively as consumer discretionary, but... You would think with the, as someone who, you know, I've been through four babies and, you know, you end up with like six prams because one, <laughs> one, one goes on a plane and one doesn't and then you've got, yeah. you need to have two. So, look, I know they, and they're like, you you know, when you've got kids, you basically, you spend up. So it's, I would say it's not necessarily on the discretionary end of consumer. Like mm. You've got to buy most of this stuff particularly with first babies, um, and everyone wants to have their own, you know, their own fresh new stuff with, with the new kids. So, the, um, I mean, these guys have only got about 10% of the market, so it's, I think it's about a $5 billion addressable market, so there is definitely scope to grow. Their PEs were around about um, sort of sector average. It's got a 3.5% dividend. Return on equity has been pretty good, so... Um, and I would have thought, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think a lot of these retail stocks, you know, have been really hammered this year. Um, the specialty discretionary stuff, depending on where you're sitting, you know, that, that might be that, you know, that case for the, the recession and the upcoming cycle change, the sell-off might be justified. But in something like this where, I mean, if you have a baby, you've got to buy stuff. It's not like, it's not really a discretionary thing. So I'm happy to probably call this a buy as well. Um, we are looking at some retailers into reporting season because I don't think they're going to be anywhere near as bad as what the market's um, forward forward pricing is. So this would be one with a, probably a little bit of a margin of safety okay. potentially. So yeah, I'm happy to call it a buy. That's a buy down by 20% over the past year. So is it looking good value? 
I would agree that retailers are an interesting space. We've just started doing some work on retail in general. I, I think you're right, Mark, that there's a lot of pessimism baked in and um, well, every time there's a consensus baked in, it's worthwhile investigating the other side. So that's, that's what we're doing at the moment. Um, baby bonding is a really interesting stock. I've owned it in the past. Um, I often think of retail, there, there are two camps of successful retail. One is a retail that is ruthlessly efficient, something like Woolies, you know, that, that has a real um, scale advantage, uh, cost advantage, a location advantage, and just efficiently move stuff in and out. And, and they're hard to compete with, but hard to find. The other very good retailer is one that can monetize irrationality. One that can take advantage of human emotion or human um, silliness and make money out of it. Something like a LVMH, anyone spending that much yeah. on a handbag is clearly not acting rationally, but wonderful business. I would put baby bunting in that bucket. It, it is a really good retailer, really good business, capable of monetizing irrationality. Anyone who's had, the, especially their first um, child, would know the yeah. anxiety. I mean, I, remember, I still remember the day I walked into baby bunting with, uh, with my first kid and just terrified and just bought everything. <laughs> everything I was told to buy, I just bought it. <laughs> and the secret to this model is that there's an army of mums working at Baby Bunting who know exactly what you need. And, it's, um, and the business is aware of it. They have a very, a very specific way of, of finding and retaining um, staff in an, and they're very smart about it. I heard an interview with a CEO once and he was saying when they entered the space, they were actually nowhere. They were, there was um, a Babies R Us and a big UK business that they were dominant. And they came in and they said that these guys don't know how to do retail. He gave an example that um, the UK retailer used to have a lot of stores um, where you'd, you'd park underground and then you'd walk up flights of stairs. And it's like, this is a baby store mm. where people are carrying kids and prams and things yeah. and they put it on two flights of stairs. Like simple, simple things like that. Um, this is a good quality retailer who know their customer, know their market really well. I just think it's, um, it's a little bit pricey still. I agree with Mark that there's, there's not as much discretion here as, as, as many people might imagine, but mm -hmm. I still think paying sort of mid to late teens for this, for this kind of business is a bit rich considering I can still buy lots of cheap stocks um, with, as an alternative. I'm going to say a hold. I, I like this business a lot. It's on the list as one of the retailers I'd like to target, um, but I want to be greedy with it, so okay. I'm going to go with hold. There you go. Rio Tinto for Braden, <laughs> wondering whether Rio is a buy at current levels. Don't forget, this is information only. This is not tailored to your own specific circumstances, Braden. So with that in mind, would you be buying Rio Tinto now, Gora? Really hard one, Nadine. Um, on the numbers, Rio Tinto looks very attractive. Um, I'm, I, I've always been a fan of Rio Tinto, you know, um, I think this used to be the poster boy for sensible mining. You know, when BHP was off doing crazy things, Rio Tinto was the sensible mine. It always has been, invented the business model of diversified mining and for probably 30 years did it better than anyone else. I just don't think that's the case anymore. I, I think when you, when you line up BHP and Rio, on every measure, BHP is the superior business. It's a lower cost producer. They now have, in, in terms of iron ore, I think their production is more reliable. I have real concerns about um, Rio Tinto's um, production line. I think they've made just shown a lot of errors. I'm not sure they're gonna hit their, um, hit their production numbers. Their costs are increasing. Um, it, it looks to me as though they may have underinvestimated in, into that infrastructure chain as well. Um, and outside of iron ore, 
the business is not that attractive. I think they've got an aluminium business that I wonder if it's ever going to make reasonable returns. They've written off maybe $40 billion and it's still not generating reasonable returns. Um, the copper business is, is okay, but difficult to grow. I think when you look over at BHP, there are so many more options to grow with an equal or superior asset base at an equally attractive valuation. I don't know why you wouldn't go there. I'm, I'm actually going to go sell on Rio Tinto. Mm. I think it's too exposed to iron ore. Iron ore, to me, looks like it's rolling over. It's not a commodity I would, I'd want a lot of exposure to, and I'd rather get it with BHP. Yeah, look, um, we, we're of a similar view in terms of BHP probably being our preferred uh, diversified miner, um, particularly super impressive sort of long-term 10, 20 and 30-year plans there for BHP and moving into potash, etc. So um, Rio at the moment, does it, it, in our mind, looks a little bit cheaper. Um, they did flag a lot of... Um, they did flag a lot of issues with production at the last... Um, the last update, and they, which they said would improve, so I guess this report, you know, mm. this earnings report coming up is going to be, you know, the test of that. Um, they had a lot of bad weather, etc. Similar labour cost increases than, than everyone had, really. Um, I found Rio's um, sort of update really frank, which probably scared a few people off. Um, <laughs> Which you know in, the, in this market's not particularly you know not particularly great. Like Fisher and Pike was another one that had really frank update and just it's usually a good it. sign when you see. That. I think it's a good sign yeah. long term, but in markets that are really nervous, mm. people you know you're sort of reading it and, and mm. sort of going oh well, well yeah. maybe I shouldn't be in this yeah. stock. So in a buoyant market, it's fine. But um, you know, and they're both you know all companies that I'd, I'd, I quite like. So. The, um, obviously, copper being a, it's I don't know I think about fifteen percent. It's not as down as much now as what iron ore has come off in the last sort of month. Um, iron ore price does look concerning. Um, this would be sort of one I make it at the moment. I'm saying hold. I'd be making a decision on this probably post um, US CPI in terms of whether the market wants to price in and reset. You know aggressive Fed and then recession after, because I think these numbers are pretty key, but also the, um, you know, recovery in China or reopening in China, if they show some green shoots over there, that infrastructure bill that um, they're proposing um, in China, um, which has been reported to be anywhere from 200 Mm -hmm. to 300 billion, that could prop up the commodity prices a little bit as they come out. But, you know, there's... There's a lot of really, really key data in the next five to seven days that yeah. that could really turn the case for um, for the big miners. So look, if it, if we get the kind of all clear, um, the dividend yield's massive. Um, it's I think the analyst projections are about 120, 125 the consensus. Uh, whereas I think there's a few with BHP have been put, brought down to the low, you know, the low 40s. So. Um, and I guess there might be a little bit of uncertainty with reporting for BHP because of the demerger, et cetera, this okay. time around. Mm. So, look, I, if if we get the all clear, I'm pretty happy to buy it, but just probably not this week. Got um, it. Because there's too much risk. I don't know what you reckon about this, but it seems to me that B, um, Rio is still generating heaps of cash flow, but they're under pressure, and I'm worried that they're going to start... You know, when they they did this before, when they were under pressure when the China boom was on, they went off and bought Alcan, mm-hmm. maybe the dumbest acquisition of the last 20 years, almost wrote off the whole thing. And I'm worried the same thing is going to happen again. Happen again. They've got an eye on lithium. They've got a lithium project in Serbia, which is not working. They've talked about lithium. They want to buy a lithium asset. Lithium prices are so toppy. I'm concerned that they're going to go off and buy, make another dumb acquisition. 
and justify it on which is on what BHP grounds. used to do which is what stopped, BHP yeah, used to do which is, yes. and they've stopped doing so. yeah yeah and they don't have potash they don't have anything else to grow they're kind no. of really yeah. constrained yeah all right so that's a hold and a sell for Rio Tinto let's go to Apollo Tourism and Leisure ATL for Phil so this is a company that uh, should be doing fantastic through this pandemic all the Australians <coughs> excuse me taking to the roads but the share price has not recovered really even though we're reopening and everything else. Do you like it? It's an interesting one. So they're actually, they're doing a deal with um, <coughs> New Zealand Business Mark. You know the name of it? No, I don't. <laughs> I can't remember the name no. of it. I don't have my notes with me, sorry. But, I used um, to. Yep, you um, keep going, I'll okay. find it. Yeah, so they're doing a deal with, 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 with a merger with a New Zealand business, and that looks really good. So these guys um, have a whole bunch of um, uh, caravan assets that they lease out, and they also manufacture a small amount of caravans as well. So they're looking to take over a business in, in, the, in New Zealand that does exactly the same thing. And the combination, Australian tourism, no, uh, no, I've forgotten, sorry. I thought I had it for a second there. But what, what the, the combination of those two things will actually create a much larger scale business. It would have more assets. Tourism holdings. Thank you. You're welcome. Tourism <laughs> holdings, yes. Um, it will create a much larger business with better manufacturing scale, better leasing scale, um, they might be able to get the assets onto platforms or through distribution channels. I think it's going to be a really good deal. It looks like a reasonable price. They also own a little stake in Camplify, which is intriguing what they do with that. I'm interested to see where mm -hmm. that goes strategically. Um, this is interesting. I, I, I agree. I would want to really buy this around asset value. Whenever you have a business that just has a bunch of assets that can be replicated and they lease them out, if you can buy that at asset value, I think, or below, you're doing really well. So that's, that's what I'm waiting for. This is a hold. Um, but in interesting business. I think um, I think it's uh, it's worth popping on a watch list and, and looking at. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit in the wait and see camp. Um, it should have done pretty well over this period, and really mm. hasn't. The volumes haven't come back to um, sort of pre-COVID, which is which is a touch concerning. The acquisition, obviously, you know, is good for the future and the holding and Campify etc but at the moment they're still they're making a loss they're, they're, they probably have had a lot of tailwinds people are going to start going overseas again um, instead of maybe the domestic that domestic tourism um, tailwind but I mean maybe we get maybe the backpacker uh, influx might you know might might correct that but I, I probably would like to see you know a couple more results realistically it's not um, it's not something that I need. I really need to be going out and buying right now. Um, I don't think you're going to miss a hell of a lot um, in the meantime. Um, look, whilst the acquisitions, um, you know, might be beneficial, the fact that they haven't executed in a time where people were travelling, you know, on the roads and there was um, six nine month waiting lists for for camper vans, etc., then you know, you've got to question whether management. Yeah, right. Or how good management is. So, just like to see them. I'd like to see them prove themselves a little bit more. Um, look, if it goes well, it'll go great. But it's. I'm, I'm a little bit in the wait and see okay. camp with them. I think. So that's a hold for now. Yeah, just a hold for now. <clears throat> Metabank Private is the next one for Tracy, saying, "What is the sentiment toward these insurance stocks like, uh, like Metabank Private? What do you?" What are you thinking about these? Uh, like the brokers are quite divided on on um, Medibank in particular. It's look, it's a hard industry. Obviously, bond yields rising is going to help. Um, you know, they've been dealing with zero interest rates for a long time. Um, again, it'll be a little bit of a wait and see for me for now. There's pent up demand for elective surgeries. They've obviously had a good run. 
uh, not having, you know, people not being able to get into elective surgeries and not having to pay out. Um, I think a Labor government's probably not too bad for them as well. Um, but I, at this point, I think their, their forward PA is quite high. Their, um, I just want to see how it washes out, whether, you know, all of this elective surgery, um, you know, how it plays out in their accounts, whether they, you know, whether they go backwards for a half year or, or whatever. But when these insurance companies tend tend to do better in a in a high bond yield environment um, because they're going to, you know, they're making a little bit yeah. of a clip on what they're holding. So, but they're, you know, they're not particularly cheap. Um, so, yeah, I I just I just like to see things normalise a little bit out of out of COVID. I, I think um, choppy chart on screen. Yeah, it's pretty range bound overall, um, and it's sort of towards that top end of the range. I think there's probably a few better options potentially in the insurance space, um, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an, another wait and see for me for the moment because it's sort of the top end of that range. Got it, Grav. Do you see it any different when it comes to Medibank? It's not a stock I pay a lot of attention to, to be honest, Nadine. Um, Why? Because it's boring? I don't think it's that high quality business. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind buying poor quality businesses or or below average quality. That's fine. You just need a really good price to compensate. And that's not on offer at the moment. So it's one I've just um, passed passed on. There is a battle, and there has been a battle for a long time, between the insurance guys on one side and the hospitals on the other. Because um, medical inflation just keeps rolling on and both of those parties are fighting each other to see who will pay the cost for that hospital inflation. And um, it's unclear who is winning that battle at this stage, whether it's sort of the Ramseys or it's the insurance companies. But um, while that battle is going on, it's, it, it's hard to get to normalised earnings or understand what, what the future might look like. Um, I'm actually going to go with sell. I don't think it's that cheap. It's not a great quality business. and. And as I said, there are alternatives where I think you could just you could just do better. Thank you. So we are at number five on the list. That is Boral. So again, no context for Yana or coming from Yana, but uh, mm. look, we've got uh, downgrades coming through from Morgan Stanley, from Credit Suisse after it up downgraded its own full year earnings guidance. Mm. I mean, this has been a tough business. I guess you've got to have a view on the macroeconomic. Will this infrastructure boom that we've been waiting for, you know, really come to fruition to the same degree as we had been expecting? Um, would you be buying Boral? No. Uh, again, this is, this is for a long time been not just poor, this has been a terrible business for a long time. That, and that's the fault of, of poor quality management for a long time. I don't think they have that now. I think management now is a lot better and focused on extracting value. And there's a lot of little ways to extract value. It's a bit of a lumbering beast with lots of different divisions. There's heaps of little assets. Um, there's lots of land. I think if you're really focused on delivering value, there are ways to do it here. Um, so I'm in, intrigued what, how they go about doing that. I think there are options for it. Um, but um, it, it's, as I keep saying, Nadine, there, there are just better alternatives. So I, I actually give you one this time rather than mm-hmm. saying it all the time. I think Brickworks, which is a direct competitor, is a better alternative to this um, because they have uh, a, a, a property division attached and they've got an investment in Solpats. Solpats' largest investment is in New Hope. Dividends will flow from New Hope through to Solpats into Brickworks. Yep. Brickworks will be flush with cash. Um, I'm expecting New Hope to pay sort of a 30% yield um, this year. 
And, Why wouldn't and you just buy a new home? Some people might not like the coal exposure. Uh, that's what, in, in, in my office. It's um, like Jedi mind tricks. Yes, though. it is. <laughs> there, there are some analysts who don't want to buy coal but are happy to buy brickworks. Yeah. <laughs> there are some clients who don't want to buy coal but are happy to buy brickworks. Be that, okay, do, yep. that's fine. Yep. But, but your point is actually the right one. Mm. The, the better play than all of this is to go off and buy some coal. But, <laughs> um, but if, you, if you must play these tricks, then, then that's the way to do it. I just think on and any measure, including management, in, including assets, in, even on valuation grounds, Brickworks looks so much better mm -hmm. than James Hardy, and you probably wouldn't want to own both. So I'm, I'm, I'll go hold with, with James Hardy. No, no, and, this uh, is Borel we're talking oh, about. Oh, sorry, what Borel. am I saying? What Got am I saying? Yeah. Uh, Borel. Yeah. Uh, I'll go hold with Borel and yeah. a, a bonus buy for Brickworks. Got it. Yeah. Got my bonus buy. Thank you. Like doing my work for me. <laughs> okay, what about Borel? Because... I mean, down and out, could this be the time to buy Boral? Uh, look, I think you know, building approval data from the ABS is, is in a pretty strong downtrend at the moment. Um, you know, construction demand, um, rising material costs, you know, it's whether they're margin, bigger than we're going to be able to maintain their margins, probably fairly unlikely. We've had quite a few um, sort of base commodities like lumber and things and aluminium sort of um, pull back a little bit, but I, I, you know whether that comes through um, in the next in the coming months is a different matter. I had pretty much exactly the same thing here. I'd, mm. If you want exposure to this um, sector, buy Brickworks because you've at least they've at least got in that investment where whereby you know it'll be buffered slightly mm. with. Um, you know, with you know another part of the business, um, and that's trading at about book at the moment. Yeah, which historically, it's, it's, it's a good time. It actually yeah. seems really quite mm. cheap. So, the um, but um, they're not necessarily like for like. But mm. you know, I think you, I, I think, you know, potentially with a change of cycle, you, you don't really want to be in construction generally. No matter, you know, I don't, I don't think it's look. It looks. Cheap on the chart, but it can get a lot cheaper if we start to roll into recession. Um, so, and particularly with that, you know, something like this is going to be particularly vulnerable to something like stagflation, obviously, because it just gets whacked on both sides um, in, in terms of margin decrease and obviously economic cycles. So, yeah, whereas, okay. you know, your brickworks, etc., I think there's, it's just a bit more of a diversified option. So, yeah, I literally had exactly the same thing down here. The one proviso for Boral is if as I said, there's a lot of assets here, and if management was really focused on extracting value, I think you could do it. If I saw some news that they were selling off assets, and there's, there's a core little building materials business there that I think could be interesting. They have a lot of um, uh, um, rubbish dump sites as well, which attract really good um, uh, rates for, for dumping. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. If I saw management was actually doing something with those assets, doing spin-offs or sales, I would look again at hmm. Boral, but um, apart from that, Okay. Yeah, my my father worked for a company similar to Borrell, CSR, I think, or oh, Rinker yeah, yeah. and things for for forty five years, and it went through six sets of hands that entire time. Mm. That and they just they did the same thing nearly every time. Management would come in and they just. Yeah. They, Although they, they sold that cement business, which was the cement, um, yeah, which was it, it went up twenty bagging or something. It was fantastic. The yeah. cement business wasn't too bad. But, yeah. Yeah, but apart from, but every single time they'd come in and just gut the place for assets, yeah. mm. reduce their maintenance yeah. costs, and then yeah. try to sell it off to another <laughs> to someone else. And the cycle was the same every single time. So. I thought your dad was a cattle farmer. He is. <laughs> he is both. Well, he is both. So okay. the, uh, oh, I just needed to, to make sure I was paying attention, not asleep at the wheel. Okay, look, we are halfway through this program.
We had EML as the stock of the day. Now, this was a sell from both of my guests saying it just is too difficult and you're going to likely lose money and you never know when when you wake up in the morning. So sell for EML. Uh, baby bunting is a buy for Mark. It is a hold for Gaurav. He likes the business, but he does think it's still just a little bit too pricey. In number two, Rio Tinto, both of my guests said that BHP is the preferred name in the sector. It's a hold, though, for Mark. It's a sell for Gaurav. Apollo Tourism and Leisure hold for both. Interesting business. Both are taking a wait-and-see attitude toward it. Medibank, Mark's waiting and seeing on this one as well, though he acknowledges that the rising yields will help the business. It's a sell, though, for Gorab. It's not a quality business for him. Not cheap enough to be interesting. And Borel, it's a no, as you just heard, for both of my guests. Okay, let's move on, shall we? And we'll get across the portfolio. It's a high can. Excuse me, the High Conviction Fund picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that committee meeting is live on ausbiz.com.au. Here's the update. Tyro, Qantas, Frontier Digital Ventures, Tabcorp and Steadfast were all removed. Oh, wow. Bapcorp was added to the portfolio this month. We also increased cash holdings to just over 10%. What do you think of some of those sales, Gaurav? I'm surprised there's so much activity, to be honest. Um, yeah, just just surprised. Tabcorp seems like... Um, well, we still have the Lottery Corp in there. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So we'll move on from that. We are up <laughs> by close to... Fi- oh, sorry, down. Apologies. Down close to 5% on a cumulative return basis since uh, the inception of that fund in March. So keep your questions coming in here. This is the first filter. Uh, two buys make it to the investment committee and we still do track the Ausbiz portfolio as well. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at CMC Markets you don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Okay, on to the next app in Unibel, Redemco, Westfield, Gold Road, Bank of Queensland, and Challenger for Zach, all coming up in the next half hour. Uh, but Appen is for Catalina. She says, look, I haven't really heard anything about Appen for a while. Wondering what the latest take is. So this was one of those wax stocks that we don't talk about in those terms oh, really anymore. So um, look, Appen was in a downgrade cycle. Is it one of those companies that is cheap enough to buy as it looks to transform itself? No, this is a sell and avoid. It has been all the way through. I, I was amazed at the prices that this one got to. I mean, we internally were puzzled by the wax phenomena, but this one in particular puzzled everyone on the team because it's not a tech stock. It's a labor hire it's business. A, yeah. um, and I'd never understood how it got that. I mean, this is a great example of, of narrative just taking over. Yep. And um, that's what I think sometimes yeah. is that when you see, you know, we had it with the BNPLs. If you had tech yeah. in the US up on a night yeah. hour, BNPLs would be up. They're not, it's almost like an absence of big tech companies, we just use them by proxy. And I think you're seeing that a bit with with uh, EVs and, and battery tech at the moment as well. They seem to be just um, on a, a, a tear because of narrative as well. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, I don't think this is a, a high quality business at all. Um, it deserves low multiples and it has them. 
I, I don't see that changing. I think it'll do better elsewhere to sell. We had a, a, a sniff of a bid, I suppose, by a Canadian telco mm. for Appin. It was revoked quite quickly yeah, once it hit the pages. Hours, yeah. So. so what do you expect? Could this be a turnaround story? Could there be another bid coming? Would you buy Appin because of any of the aforementioned anyway? No, it's an avoid for me. Overall, I, I think... Um, there's a lot of people hurting pretty badly on this stock overall. Um, I think it's going to be very, very heavy on the offer side if it tries to make any rally, any significant sort of rally, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, it's wrong space um, for me in terms of, yeah, I mean, even though it's treated like a, te it's treated like a tech stock, but... Um, wow. So, but yeah, the, the, I mean, you really just got to put your hand over the top. Anything from above 16 bucks, just put your hand over the top of that chart and just pretend like that didn't exist. That is amazing. From $40 to $6 mm. on a story. I mean, yeah. just because it went there doesn't mean that this is cheap. <laughs> yes. Like, it just yeah. means that it was way, way yeah. overbought. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's now that ra some sort of, you know, rational thought process has come back to the market, I, mm. it still doesn't look, it still doesn't look great. I, I think if, um, you know, if, People would stop asking whether it was a buy if the high was twelve bucks. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, that, so yeah, where just just because it's gotten carried away doesn't you know, certainly does not mean that by any means that it's cheap. And yeah, I I'm, I think you'll make your money back, particularly um, in about a million other things okay. uh, in the meantime before this sort of starts. Let's find out if number seven on the list is one of those. Unibel Redemco Westfield. You are W for Oscar. Hi, Oscar. Hope you're watching or you're listening. So this is the old Westfield assets that are overseas. We're always told about them being very high class, high quality <laughs> shopping centers, but we are seeing rising vacancies and falling foot traffic. Would you buy URW? Uh, no, probably maybe. Look, they've had a, they've suspended dividends. Um, holds about as the best I could possibly really go on this at the moment. Um, Particularly in that REIT sector, you know, higher interest rates. I mean, retail's not retail is not going to be where you want to be. Particularly, you know, with potential turn of the cycle. Um, industrial um, is really where, if we're in the REIT space, is about the only um, place we're generally going, or like something really safe like a waypoint, uh, where it's really it's a very very simple business model. Um, but yeah, look, at the moment it. Um, I think, and I think as well, the the tenants being able to negotiate over COVID has probably set a bad habit now going forward. That you know, I think they were just price takers in the past, the the tenants, and I think you know the the fact that they had an ability to negotiate mm -hmm. over that COVID period is probably you know they're probably going to be more inclined to do that again. So, um, I mean, they they do they're pretty premier locations, um, but look, yep. something like Ch um, Charter Hall, Long Whale, it's got a little bit of retail in it if you want to have some retail exposure. Um, at least it's got some, you know, it's got sort of low, okay. kind of lower debt and things. So it's so. a, no, it's a hold no, if you've a, got it, but yeah, it's do not buy it. Would you be buying URW? Um, before we get there, we also actually own Waypoint REIT as well. Waypoint. Like further in there. Um, it's not a stock that comes it's come up, up a bit lately, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, now, um, you may have missed it, Nadine, but I did grimace a little bit when you mentioned this stock. It's because I've lost piles of money in this. Oh. And, um, as have... Shameful, um, Gorab. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it just brought up some bad memories. Yeah, so this is, as you say, this actually has very good quality mm -hmm. assets. And um, the, the shopping centres sprinkled around the world, particularly in Europe, are, are very good quality. Yeah. Um, A-grade, hard to replicate, generate tonnes of cash. 
The problem is that this thing is financed completely inappropriately. It has way too much debt and management has been awful, slow and, and lumbering in trying to fix that balance sheet. Refuse to raise capital, which is actually what's required here. The reason they hold so much debt is because when they absorbed Westfield, they yeah. um, used debt um, to fund the whole deal. Um, lo the Lowys, to their credit, sold at peak prices yeah, and these guys were well. left with a whole pile of debt at the wrong point of the cycle. It's never been fixed. They either have to raise a lot of capital to fix this or they have to start selling properties. Now, they are selling assets, but they're doing it in a mischievous way. They're only reporting the sales that they're getting that are above book. And my s suspicion is that there's a whole bunch of assets they're getting offers for well below book, but they don't complete those transactions because it would cause a re-rating of the entire portfolio. And I've lost faith in management. I know it looks very cheap. Um, it's well, well, last time I looked, it was well below book, which is where it should be given mm -hmm. that balance sheet. But this is not the time to be buying heavily indebted assets. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to sneak through a hold, Nadine. I think it's, it's just on price. It's interestingly enough to, uh, to hold, but this is such a shame because they're very good quality assets. Um, they need to fix that balance sheet. So you sheet. point the finger at management. Oh yeah, been yeah. terrible. They've done. They've Why? Why are they so reticent to well, raise capital? Um, they they dilute their. First of all, it's an admission that the original deal yeah. was was poorly done, yep. and they look really bad. And then the second of all, they compound that error by diluting shareholders a second mm -hmm. time at really low prices. This was trading. 60, 70 multiples of the price at one mm -hmm. stage. Um, so it's done really, really badly. Um, so look, uh, management who do who make errors is, is no bad thing. Everyone mm -hmm. makes errors. I have no, no problem with management making mistakes. You have to be able to fix them though. And recognize them as errors. Yeah. Um, and don't compound them. And the, that's what, exactly what these guys have done. Okay. Keep an eye on it, good assets, until they fix that balance sheet. If they do uh, fix that balance sheet, this is something to buy at that stage. Got it. Thank you. All right. And Waypoint Reit, something I know you both like. <laughs> gold Road for Linda saying oh. after gold stocks took a hit, how are the experts approaching companies like Gold Road? Gora. Gold Road. Now, this I have fonder memories of, you'd be happy to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Gold Road was a $30 million explorer with nothing in the bank. It was their CEO, their chief geologist, uh, called me and he kept bugging me for a meeting and said, Oh, can we please meet up? Can we please meet up? And uh, made him buy me a coffee, which I'm really shameful about. Yeah. But um, <laughs> we finally met up and he said, We've got this great land package. There's this entire area in WA that's untouched. We've got this guy who really understands, who's done all this work, and he, and he laid out this roadmap for the next 10 years of where Gold Road was going to go. I drank my coffee, went back to the office, and told the guys, I oh, forget about it, it was nothing. And, uh, and in the interim, Gold Road has done exactly, exactly what the, what the CEO at the time laid out he was going to do. And that is that they've, um, they've explored um, uh, tenaciously um, a, a unique land package. Mm -hmm. I think they understand the geology here really, really well. They've got a mine up and going and they funded that with a 50% sale to a major miner. The task now, it's a really good mine. It's called Gruer. Gruer. Is that a cheese mark? Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's similar. <laughs> right. Okay. I, I thought that was interesting. I reckon that the names that management give these mines, it tells you a little bit about... Um, maybe it's got, yeah, holes, holes or something. Yeah, 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 yeah maybe, yeah. maybe. But, but look, they, they've got a, a fantastic mine. It's a really, um, really interesting mine. I think they make one of the, some of the highest um, free cash flow per ounce in the industry with this thing. They only own half of it, but the idea is they pay dividends with about half their earnings and the other half 
they plough back into their exploration ground, which they own 100%, and they want to monetize the knowledge that they've built up over the last 10 or 12 years. I think this is a buy. I think these guys know exactly what they're doing. Um, they've got a really good asset, and you've got wonderful optionality here um, for further uh, growth. It's a spec buy, mind you. This is not exactly a blue chip, but um, I, I, I back management here, and it's a good base asset from which to work from. Um, yeah, look, at the moment, I'm not that fond of the gold space. Um, I think there's a lot of headwinds in terms of, um, in, in terms of high US dollar, in, you know, rising interest rates, etc., which are not great conditions for gold. Um, gold Road, however, is Macro's preferred name in the space. Um, the bigger guys, um, like Northern Star Evolution, have been a little bit disappointing overall. Uh, they've reported badly, they've had production issues, and I think essentially, you know, until we get to the top of the rate market, gold, you know, gold prices are going to be, you know, under a little bit of pressure. But these guys have pulled back now. So how we're sort of playing it at macro is we, we would prefer to have a smaller allocation in something like this that has, like, a lot of upside yeah. rather than a 5% allocation in something some, like a yeah. Northern Star or, a, or an Evolution. So that's where, because a lot of clients want to have gold exposure mm-hmm. um, for the reasons that... You know, for all of those reasons, it's not really a hedge at the moment because headwinds for gold are the same headwinds for the stock market. So, we, but we tried convincing clients that. Um, so, for those who are very have a have a stubborn view that they want gold in the portfolio, this is we've we've just gone with a because of, you know we've we've traded this one relatively well, uh, particularly Ukraine um, invasion, etc. We were we were pretty quick to buy okay. this and, we're, and we've since got out. Um, it's now back to towards the bottom of that range there where we would consider, you know, again, a small allocation for those who want gold. Um, but yeah, they're and, you know, they're at a stage where as they mature, they're going to earn more and more profits. Their dividend payout ratio is only 20 odd percent at the mm-hmm. moment, which can obviously go higher. So, yeah, I, I think at the moment, I, I mean, I, I can't do a nibble, but if you, <laughs> if you are set on buying gold stocks, yes, I would be, I'd, I'd say this would be something you would put a small allocation into. But it's a buy. Yeah. I'll let you, I'll, you know, you've put nibble out there, so it's an earworm, it's out there, so it's a buy. Bank of Queensland for Quinn. Is there a reason, Gaurav, hmm. to be in the regional banks? Look, I... I'll say that I don't know these regional banks very well, um, but I'm still... But that speaks volumes then, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. We've never gone through and had a look at these carefully. It's, it's because there's just not a lot of growth there. I think there's a class of investor for whom this might be attractive. They're relatively stable. They have a large part of their um, loan book funded by deposits, which is always safe and attractive. Um, maybe not so much in a rising interest rate environment, come to think of it, but... Um, I just don't see that much um, growth here and, and they're at a perpetual competitive disadvantage compared to the big guys. And the big guys are no longer, Combank aside, no longer that expensive either. At, in this environment, banks really should be at a, a discount to book. And you can get that globally. You can almost get it here with the big guys. I just don't see the benefit of taking the additional risk with a smaller business that doesn't have a higher growth profile. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say sell with this. There's nothing wrong with the company, but uh, just the risk reward doesn't make a lot of sense. It is a overweight from Morgan Stanley, a buy from City, mm-hmm. uh, outperform Macquarie, add for Morgans, and an outperform for Credit Suisse. And I disagree. So yeah, I, I think it's a sell as well. I don't. I'm not a really big fan of holding the big four banks as it is, mm-hmm. let alone something that's going to have a net interest margin lower. 
Um, look, Macquarie or BNK SETF um, or a combination of the smaller, um, some, one of the stocks that's coming up, Challenger, but sort of in that financial space um, is, a, is by far and away a preference for me. But the regional banks, there's a lot of competition there at the moment from the big four to lock down those mortgage holders coming into a higher interest rate environment. And these guys, their net interest margins is going to get squeezed. They're, they're not going to have the same and will compress. So, yeah, look, I, I would I would sell this and buy something like Macquarie or CBA or you know something along those lines instead. I think there's a much much better margin of safety. Even if you want growth, obviously Macquarie is going to provide a bit of that as well. So yeah, I, it's not not something that I generally will you know generally consider overall because a lot of these fintech. Um, Companies are just they're just eating away at all yeah. of their high margin uh, businesses as well. So they're, they're effectively becoming more and more just building societies. Yeah. And if it's a property, um, you know, property cycle, the default rate happens to go up, etc. Like, I think something like this is probably going to get probably going to get fairly hurt. So, um, so yeah. Look, it, obviously, financials should be pretty good in a in a rising rate environment. I, I'm not sure whether it's going to be that great because of that competition um, at the variable end of the market. Um, but these guys are going to generally come off second best, as we saw GFC, you know, all those mortgage brokers got hammered and, um, and things like that. So it's not, it's not something I, I feel like you okay. would need to take the risk on. And you look at the capex fun. that Combank and the other banks are spending to defend themselves against all these mm. um, disruptors. Mm-hmm. They just, they, these guys aren't doing that. They don't have the capacity to do that. They're particularly vulnerable to disruption. And that's true for all regional banks. Got it. Thank you. And you sort of foreshadowed, Mark, what's coming up next. It's mm. Challenger. So this is for Zach. CGF is the ticker code. So superannuation and annuities. Um, what do you think of that business, Gaurav? Look, I don't like it, um, Nadine. <laughs> I'll be really interested to hear Mark's comments because I must admit this is not a business I've ever fully understood. There seems to be a inherent mismatch here between uh, how the business funds itself and how it pays, how it, how it um, you know, the products that it provides. It's supposed to provide these secure, long-term, um, fixed uh, payment um, uh, annuities. Mm-hmm. I think that's what yeah. I was looking for, yeah. And, and yet, to do that, it, 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 it has to, um, it, it does that at interest rates higher than, than average, and it has to get that funding um, from somewhere. And to do that, we don't really know how they do it. We don't know the risk they take or the portfolio they hold or what goes on behind the scenes. My suspicion is if you're going to be paying those above higher rates, you're probably taking above average risk to do that. Now, this whole business is then a giant risk management pool. Um, so you're really at the mercy of, of sensible decisions from management. It's a black box. You don't know what risks they're taking or how they're hedging them. Um, you know, it, it, you could do fine. Most likely you'll do fine. But it is the kind of business you could wake up one morning and be down 90%. And I'd, for, the, for the kind of return that's on offer here, I don't think that risk is worth it. Uh, this is probably a sell for me. The only reason I'd consider this is, um, again, well below um, book, and it needs to be very cheap. It hasn't been that cheap for a while. I think there was an opportunity, yeah, back down there. Mm. Um, it never came up for us, though. We'd even, even back then, we didn't look at it closely. So this is still a sell for me, um, but, you know, I'm, mostly because I don't understand the thing, so I'm happy to be 
in line. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, we like it um, yeah. overall. Uh, a lot of people do. I think yeah, the look, it's, consensus it's is, yeah. yeah. They've obviously they've they've done pretty poorly over the last couple of years. Um, but zero interest rates environment is mm. like the absolute enemy of this business. So, I think conditions are f- more turning in their favour. And uh, I guess to your point about taking the risk, well, maybe they'll be able to take less risk. That's right. I think so, that's right. Yeah. Um, and if they survive, sort of through. But obviously, it's something that's been largely ignored because we've been in a fairly buoyant market conditions and annuities is boring as hell. But. Mm. I think customers might start to come back to this being shaken out a little bit by a 20% you know, downside run or the worst start in 90-odd years in the, um, mm-hmm. in the US, which, which might push, push some customers back to that annuity-style business, um, which will have higher margins now that interest rates are a little bit high, um, higher. And, um, and an investor day, which was well taken by the market, and they're going to they're meet the upper end of their guidance, which at the moment there's... Um, like that's very favourably taken and uh, reassured mm-hmm. some people. Look, it, um, yeah, it's when we're trying to fill up our financials probably to being a little bit overweight for the next year or so, um, just obviously with the risk of um, a cycle turn. Um, it's got a fairly good dividend yield. Um, its PE is quite low. So I think. So you would um, buy it today? I, yeah, no. Look, I'd be happy to buy it today. It's not going to shoot the lights out. Um, so, but I think it um, it should just be a plotter, which I think in these current market conditions, you know, there's a place for a plotter. <laughs> for plotting. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm plotting. Yeah, Can I make so. two more points quickly? Yep. Uh, one is that um, one of the advantages I understand is the, a, a superior distribution. So um, mm. I know from having our funds that you got to get on all these lists before people can tick the box for your product. And um, these guys are on every list, and they're often um, the default uh, annuity choice for those lists. So there's a really good advantage there. But the second thing, um, and I, I you know, probably don't have time to get into it today, Mark, but another day, just on the accounting, like the, the profit is, seems very mysterious to me how they get to it. And um, maybe one day we can, we can sit down and go through it. Yeah, well, yeah. then teach me, because I always find this more <laughs> difficult to understand as well. Yeah. Yeah, obviously the, yeah, the increase yeah. of super um, uh, percentage going okay. up as well, I think, is another mm. another tailwind as well. So, that's all right. Well, that's what makes a market a sell on one hand, a buy on the other. Mm. Let's just re- revisit what we've learned so far. So, Appen is a sell; it's an avoid for both of my expert guests. Not a high quality company. Unibel, Redemco, Westfield. It's a hold for Gorav. Would become much more interesting to him if they reduce their debt pile. But it's a hold at best for Mark because of this change in cycle that we're going through right now. Gold Road, it's a buy for both. Now, Mark was a reluctant buy, but if you do want gold in your portfolio, he would nibble at this one. Gaurav likes it. Sell from both of my guests for Bank of Queensland, a buy and a sell for Challenger, as you've just heard. Well, that was fun, guys. Thank you so Cheers. much. Mark Gardner from Macro Capital, Graham Sodi from The Intelligent nice Investor. To Lovely to have you both in to start the week, and we'll see you both soon. Um, if you'd like us to cover a company for you, email us at the call, ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet to us at ausbiz.tv. You can check out that portfolio, ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Do not go anywhere. We're bringing you the small caps next. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.